I, Corden Holt, guardian of Renovia, devoted servant to the House of Delafour, hereby pledge my life and that of my heirs to this promise. Defend the crown and restore the sacred schools of Dia to their rightful purpose. Is this your vow? Queen Liliana asked. This is my vow, Holt said. Until it is done? She asked. He paused, then nodded. Until it is done. Holt felt slightly ill as the declaration left his lips, almost as if the words had been removed from him by an unseen hand rather than given freely. And with that, he was bound, as was his son. That's a quote from The Queen's Assassin by Melissa de la Cruz. This is YA Book Chat, and I'm your host, Leah Stuhler. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of YA Book Chat. I am glad you are here. Thank you for listening. Today, we have a brand new book. I'm going to be covering The Queen's Assassin. It is written by New York Times number one bestselling author, Melissa De La Cruz, and I'm very excited to dive into this book with you. And today, I have a special guest with me. Her name is Christy Turgeson, and I am very excited to have her with me. Hi, Christy. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Leah. Happy to be here. Thank you. I'm glad to have you here. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself before we get started? Sure. Um, so I live in New York. I'm the mother of three boys. I have a third grader, a first grader, and a four-year-old. I love to read. I primarily read nonfiction. Uh, but I went out on a lark and I read The Queen's Assassin for you, Leah, and it was great. Thank you so much. And um, I, I'm a digital marketer. Uh, I work in New York City and um, I really just read for fun. All right, cool. So thanks. Well, we are, I am so excited to talk about this book. For those of you who have been listening to my podcast for a little while, you'll know that I mentioned this book in my uh, episode with about new releases in 2020. I had a chance to read a preview of this book on the website Bookish First, and it was very good, and I really enjoyed it, and so I was super excited to read the whole thing when it was finally published, and uh, and it was really good. It met my expectations, and it was a book that I really enjoyed a lot, so we're going to um, just talk a little bit spoiler-free first, as usual, for those of you who have not yet read the book, and, uh, and then when we get into our section with spoilers, I will let you know. So just a basic plot overview for everybody. Uh, we have two main characters in this story. The first one, his name is Kaladin Holt, and he is the queen's assassin and the kingdom's deadliest weapon. He works for as an assassin for the Hearthstone Guild. And he is bound to the queen by magic, and he's unable to leave her service until his task of recovering the Dian scrolls has been completed. And then we have Shadow of the Honeyglade, and she has been training since she was a little girl to be a part of the Hearthstone Guild. That is all that she has ever wanted. She lives in the woods with her two aunts. However, Shadow's mother expects her to serve the crown at court and not in the Hearthstone Guild. And that is very disappointing for Shadow. It's not what she wants at all. Well, then there's a surprise attack that happens and it brings Shadow and Kaladin together. And so she ends up becoming his apprentice and they have to work together. And as they spend time together, their feelings for each other grow despite the fact that they know that 
their lives may not allow them to be together in the end. And as they go through their quest, they uncover a web of lies and secrets that lead them closer to finding the Dean Scrolls. So it was a very, uh, very fun story. What were your overall thoughts on this on the book, Christy? At first, you think the Queen's assassin is Corden, but then you quickly realize that it's Cal. And I think that's your first clue that there's going to be some sleight of hand in this book to come. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really fun to kind of like, you know, just even in like the first two chapters kind of get a sense of, okay, this is how the, the book's going to be. You're going to think it's one thing and then it's really going to be another thing. Yeah. Um, the book starts out with Corden Holt's blood promise to Queen Liliana, mm-hmm. where he says, I hereby pledge my life and that of my heirs to this promise. And I had such a visceral reaction to that. I mean, I think I even screamed like, that's not fair. You can't <laughs> pledge your children to your own promise. You know? Um, yeah. I did some research and, you know, in, in our Judeo-Christian culture, um, this goes back to the Bible where it says, the son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. And that's Ezekiel eighteen twenty. Yes. And then the, the book just kind of unfolds that Cal has to fulfill this promise. And he, he does. And it is kind of like when you first read the very beginning, it's kind of, it is kind of like, oh, that's not fair. Because you know, as soon as he agrees with the queen and he makes that blood vow with her, you know, that it's going to affect his children. And you don't know how long it's going to go on. And so Mm -hmm. essentially, in a way, it could end up affecting his grandchildren either. You know, nobody knows how long it's going to take to find the Dean scroll. So it's, yeah, it is kind of like, oh, I'm not so sure about that. (laughs) (laughs) But so I wanted to ask you, what did you think about um, how, so for everybody listening, the book is separated into, we have chapters that are told from Shadow's perspective and then chapters that are told from Kel's perspective. But Shadow's chapters are done in first person and Kaladin's chapters are done from third person perspective. And I had actually, I had read a book by a different author where she did that. And for some reason, I, I think it was just her writing style, but the way that she did it, it really bothered me and I did not like it at all. And I kind of hated it. I, it wasn't a book that I thoroughly enjoyed that much anyway. And so that probably played into it. But in this book, I actually really didn't mind. It didn't bother me at all. What did you think about that? How she had the two different points of views and the two different perspectives? Well, I'm glad you, you asked. It, it took me a while to notice that. Like, I, I, maybe I'm just not that observant. It, it took me a few chapters before I said, wait a minute. <laughs> Why are we always first person with, with shadow? And I really, I, I really thought about it for a long time. But I don't know if this is a spoiler or not. But what ends up happening is that you find out you don't really know her at all. That yeah. she's an unreliable narrator. Yeah, she kind of so is. It's, it's quite a deception. But it, it's good. It's great. She, I mean, Melissa De La Cruz really kind of keeps you guessing in that way. But I think, yeah, I mean, I think we kind of needed it to be more first person from Shadow's perspective than 
Kaladins. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's get into a more detailed discussion. So for everybody listening, if you have not yet read this book first, you need to run out and read it really soon. Um, But more importantly, if you don't want it to be spoiled, this is where you would stop listening and then come back and listen to the rest of the episode, please, after you have finished reading the book. But if you have already read it or you don't care about spoilers, then please continue listening. All right, so here we go. So we've mentioned a little bit Cal's dad. We so the first like the first part of the book before you even get to what's technically chapter one. There's kind of a prelude, and it gives you the background history of the country of Aventine, which is where they live. And so what happened is is there's um, a scroll of omen, and so the history is written on this scroll. And there's a family called the Delafour family, and they had a dynasty that ruled for hundreds of years. And there was an evil man named Freyze, at least that's how I'm going to pronounce his name, who murdered his cousin, the king, and then he became a tyrant when he reigned, and he wanted all of the magical power in the kingdom to be his. So he sent an army out to steal all of the mystical and sacred texts that were in the land, and he compiled them all into one single document, and those are what we've been referring to, which are the Dian Scrolls. And so there was the group who assembled the scrolls, became called the Afrasians, and they were the only ones who were allowed to see the scrolls. They were given a castle of Bear, and they used it as their abbey, so it became known as Bear Abbey. And then magic became forbidden in the kingdom because the tyrant King Freyze, he wanted just to be the only person to have all of the magic and all of the power. He didn't want anybody else to have it. However, uh, there were some witches who secretly practiced their craft and they passed it on to their daughters and their granddaughters. And they are the ones who formed the Hearthstone Guild. And so immediately when that guild was formed, this is what the purpose of it was to help keep the magic going. But then it eventually ended up becoming a society of assassins and spies who work for the queen. So when the tyrant king was in rule, what happened was the Delafour family ended up going into hiding. The king ruled for 300 years. Now, remember, I know you're probably like 300 years, what? But this is a (laughs) magical kingdom. And so you have to keep an open mind and understand that anything can happen in this kingdom because it does. (laughs) So when he died, the kingdom was split into four different areas. Renovia, Montrese, Argonia, and Stavin. And Bear Abbey, where the Afrasians were and had the Dean scrolls, is in Renovia. So the Afrasian monks retained control of the scrolls and they tried to control the monarchy because they had them. Well, then King Espen, who was a descendant of King Freyze, he wanted to change things. He he didn't want um, the Afrasian monks to kind of try and be in control anymore. So he ended up declaring war on Bear Abbey, okay, and his army prevailed, but he ended up dying, and then the Afrasians went into hiding. However, the Dian scrolls were never found. So his wife, Queen Liliana, has been searching for the scrolls ever since. And she is the 
present queen who is alive and well in this book. And she is the queen of Renovia. And so when her husband died, she had her assassin, whose name was Corden Holt. She, they came up with a plan. And so they made a blood vow together and he agreed. He vowed himself to her service. And then, like we said earlier, he also vowed his family, his children, because he had a one-year-old son at the time. So he said, you know, he would be in her service. They bound it by blood through magic. And he and he, he and his family would serve her until the Dean scrolls were found. And at the time, the queen had a baby girl who had just been born. So that's the introduction, friends. All of that <laughs> happens in just the prelude. And I, I feel like I read that and then I went, oh my gosh, I still have an entire book. And that was a lot of information. <laughs> and I was kind of like, I remember thinking- Yeah, I, I kind of struggled to, to remember it. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say is I had to um, keep going back to and check it, especially like the further that I got into the book, I had to go back to the beginning and check that prelude because there were a couple of things I couldn't remember, but you need to know them in order for what happens later on in the book. But I, I, I like that she did that. It was a really, really good and very detailed setup for the story. But then the story begins 18 years later. Yeah. There was a, um, I, I just longed for like a descendant list or something like that, like a list of characters and who they were in yeah. order to keep track just as you're getting to know them. That would have been really cool. Like if there had been kind of like a family tree in the front of the book, because, you know, sometimes um, mm -hmm. actually there was a map. She put a map in the front of this book, which is really cool, but it would definitely have been mm -hmm. nice if there was just that little like family tree picture, because it does get a little bit confusing at times, mm -hmm. but yeah, no, I agree. So when we start the book then, in chapter one, finally, um, it's 18 years later. So Kaladin Holt, who is Corden's son, is 19 years old, and he is in the Hearthstone Guild, and he is the Queen's assassin. And then we have Shadow, who is 18 years old. So Shadow, her, like I said, her mother and her aunts, but mostly her mother, wants her to go to court and to be there, but Shadow wants to join the Hardstone Guild like her aunts do. And she says, it's the one thing I've wanted more than anything. They've practically been training me for the Guild my whole life. How can they deny me? And so something important here to know too is her aunts aren't actually related to her. She calls them her aunts, but they're her mother's close friends. They're her Aunt Mariah and her Aunt Mariah's wife, Aunt I'm going to say Mesha because I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> and Shadow was pretty much raised by them because her mother's work at the palace keeps her very busy. So she doesn't always have a lot of time to raise her child. And she wanted Shadow to be as safe as possible is the other reason. So the beginning of the book, the reason that when I read the, um, the preview of this, the reason that I felt so drawn into it right away was because there's action right at the beginning, which I love. Mm -hmm. Like, cause I, I, mm -hmm. there have been books that I have started. Um, okay. So I don't know if you've read this series or not, but it's Red Rising by Pierce Brown. And I actually absolutely love this series. Mm -hmm. You haven't read that one? It's good. <laughs> I actually, I love the series, but when I 
started reading the first book, Red Rising, I was actually kind of bored at the beginning. And I was like, uh, I feel like I've read this before because it was very similar to another book I had read. But my girlfriend had was like, no, no, it's really good. Just keep reading. So I kept reading it and it did get really good. And then I ended up reading the next four books after it as well. And I'm now waiting for book six to come out and you know, probably another year, but, but so, but sometimes I have, I have trouble when books start kind of slow like that. So for me, this book was perfect because it, we come into action right away. Are you, do you like that kind of um, situation as well? Or does it not matter for you? Well, yeah, that's always the fear with these, with fantasy novels is that they, they, there's so much set up to get you into the, the, the rhythm of the, this fantasy that it takes a long time to get started. It almost started too fast where I was kind of in the living room and watching my kids at the same time. And I realized like, wow, I actually have to pay attention because there's so much it, just in the first few paragraphs. And I realized oh, I gotta go back because things actually happened. <laughs> yeah. It catches you off guard because it does start a lot faster than a lot of other books mm -hmm. do. So, um, so what's great is, so Shadow, you know, she's walking through the woods and she's using her mm -hmm. magic because her aunts have taught her magic and, you know, she can feel something following her. She gets attacked by a jaguar and she just kind of like kicks it away. Like, eh, no big deal. I've been trained <laughs> to handle better, you know, bigger things. And I'm like, okay, great. If I were to get attacked by a jaguar, I would be dead probably, you know, but whatever. <laughs> she's like, nope. She just kicks it away. <laughs> <laughs> she she ends up coming upon um, Bear Abbey, which is still a Frasian territory. You know, it's supposed to be abandoned, but she finds a recently disposed of apple core. And so she knows that people are there and she hears men's voices. So she ends up hiding she's going to leave and get out of there. And she gets hit by an Afrasian monk who had been following her earlier. And she knows it's who was following her earlier, not the Jaguar because of the smell. Mm -hmm. And this, it's funny because I didn't think about this at first. And I was like, why, why is that so important? Cause Melissa De La Cruz mentions multiple times how he's, how it smells to shadow. And I didn't mm -hmm. understand and until later in the book, because he comes back into play and then you're like, and this is how Shadow remembers who the person is because of the smell. Mm -hmm. It's a very distinct smell. So I was like, oh, clever, clever. She uses just mm -hmm. something that small ends up being this really huge, important detail later on. Yeah. I love it felt that. really cinematic. Yeah. You know, the, um, like the, the visions, like you could almost picture how maybe a, um, a movie might handle it. Mm -hmm. But then when, when it comes to the smell, like that, that wouldn't translate, you know, that's, right. that's like just a, a, a jewel for the book readers. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so she smells it. The guy hits her and like knocks her out. And then um, a hooded man appears and he attacks the Afrasian monk and he saves her. And lo and behold, it is Kaladin Holt. And she sees it and she recognizes him because she has idolized him ever since she was younger and wants to be an assassin like he is. So she leaves. And then what happens is before she runs away though, she sees Cal take off the monk's mask because they wear masks. And it's Alast another name I'm not sure how to pronounce, <laughs> but that's what we're going to go with. I, I said alas. Alas. That sounds good. <laughs> Let's go with that. 
So it's Alast, who happens to be King Espen's younger brother, and he's the Grand Prince. So Cal has just killed the Queen's brother-in-law. So this is not going to be a good thing. You know, I didn't trust what she promised to Cal. So um, I took everything that the Queen said, you know, kind of with a grain of salt and, and thought, okay, we'll find out later what this really is going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Because he goes to see her, and the queen is there, and Princess Lilac is there, and she has a mask on and a veil, so he can't see her face. And the queen is upset because he killed her brother-in-law, but she's going to let him live because she found out that he saved the girl in the forest at the same time. However, she tells him that he has to leave Vernovia for his own safety, and so she's sending him on a mission to spy on the king of Montrese, who they think is plotting war against Renovia and who is allied with the Afrasians. So there's this whole kind of um, conspiracy going on in Montrese. And so she wants to send Cal there to figure all of that out and see if it has to do with the Dean Scrolls. But here's the funny thing. <laughs> she, she has to make it look good, right? So she decides that she needs to give him a cover story. So she's going to send him to this prison, the Deirja prison. And then when the guild is ready, she'll send somebody there undercover to free Kaladin out of the prison. But I mean, this prison is like the worst prison in their whole country that anybody could get sent to. And it's horrid. So it's like, she's kind of like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to let you slide for this. You did kill my brother-in-law, but I still kind of need you around, but I still need to punish you. You know? So I kind of felt like it was her. Yeah. I'm not going to give you any details. Right. Cause she doesn't tell him anything. She doesn't tell him anything. And poor Cal has to go to this prison and he doesn't, he has no clue what's going to happen to him there. Well, Shadow feels really bad. And so she, she sees him being put in the cart to go to Deirja. And she, she thinks, well, if she can help him, that maybe it won't be so bad. So she pushes through the crowd to get to the cart and she just hands him a handkerchief and just says, you're not alone. And then he goes away and he, but he's probably got to be so confused. Like he doesn't understand what the queen is giving him Mm -hmm. this assignment first. Then some random girl in the marketplace comes up to him and hands him this handkerchief. Is like, you're not alone. I promise. And he's like, maybe there's a message written on it or something. And he's looking and there's nothing, nothing. It's just got some flowers on it. (laughs) This poor guy. At this point I was thinking, oh man, because it's so hard because as the reader, you know what's going on with Shadow and why she's doing this, but poor Cal has absolutely no clue. So Shadow decides that she's going to disguise herself as a boy, get on the prison transport, and then uh, break Cal out of prison. So, I mean, she comes up with this whole thing. She writes in Mulan. Yeah. <gasps> yes. I hadn't thought about that. Yes, you're right. She dresses up like a boy, just like Mulan does. Very true. Very true. Because she cuts her hair, too. She cuts her hair. Mm-hmm. She binds That's her That's when chest. you know there's no going back. Oh, no. You cut your hair. It's all over. (laughs) You're done. She cuts her hair. She binds her her chest. She dresses like a boy. Her mom had sent her a trunk of things um, from the palace 
and it had like fancy dresses in it and it had lots of, you know, gold in it. So she takes the gold coins. She writes a letter, a work order from the queen, mimics her, mimics the queen's stamp the seal on it and then brings it Mm -hmm. with her to say like, you know, this is a work order and she's being sent from the queen to go to Deirdre. And then she just leaves her aunts a note and she leaves her poor aunts. I feel kind of bad for them, but at the same time, I'm like, they had to know this was coming. You know what I mean? I mean, and the other thing is, okay, I guess I didn't really feel too bad for them because they're also, they can also do magic and they do and they use their magic to find her. So Mm kind of like, Mm, you know, <laughs> they're not totally helpless here. Mm-hmm. And she knows that too. So she's like, eh, they'll find me later. It's fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you almost feel like they're, they're like almost permitting her. Yeah. I, I kind of did feel like they were, cause I felt like her aunts were kind of on the fence. Like they really love shadow and they raised her really. And they know where her heart is, but they also know she has to do what her mom wants her to do. But I feel like they didn't really do anything to stop her from leaving either. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I liked her aunts. I thought they were very fun characters. <laughs> it sort of reminded me of Sleeping Beauty, like the um, oh yes, Laura Fauna and, and Meriwether. Yes, it does have Sleeping Beauty undertones. I love that because <laughs> and they raised her in a cottage in the <laughs> middle of the woods, <laughs> just like this. Okay, so Shadow gets to Deirja. Okay. She, um, is told she's going to be a stable boy. She's going to work in the stable. She goes there. The other stable boys are really nasty except for one whose name is Jander. All right. And then comes, I have to tell you one of my favorite quotes and parts in this whole book. (laughs) And I, I'm guessing, you know what I'm talking about. And Okay, so if you're a, a man and you're listening to this right now, I'm just going to give you a warning. I'm going to go into some feminine issues here just for a minute, okay? If you don't like hearing about feminine things, just skip ahead for a couple minutes, but here we go. So Melissa De La Cruz just became my hero, okay? She writes this. Okay, here's what it says. So Shadow is talking about how she needs to keep up her disguise being a boy, but she's not sure how long it can last because she says she's expecting what my aunts like to call Dia's monthly gift. And, you know, she said she has the supplies and she's prepared for it when it arrives, but she can only do so much to hide the fact that she's a woman. And I literally stopped right there and like, was like, thank you. Because how many times <laughs> do you watch a TV show or watch a movie or something, you know, or read a book where there's a girl in a similar situation, pretending to be a boy, or, you know, you watch on TV, you know, they're just randomly like, like on this show Vikings, they just sleep together all the time. It's like they never wear underwear because they just pull up the dress. And I'm like, do the writers not think about women getting their periods? Like this is a thing. How women don't just walk around without <laughs> undergarments on because stuff happens down there. So when I read this, I was like, oh my goodness, somebody finally like mm-hmm. gave a voice to this. Did you, okay. Did you stop and think at this moment too, or is this just me? <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciated it. You know, thanks for calling out the obvious, Melissa. <laughs> right? I feel like somebody needed to say it. And so, like, it happens. It happens. Mm-hmm. And if you're pretending to be a boy, there's only so much you can do about certain things. So, anyway, 
All right. That's my little <laughs> spiel on that. Now we can move on to actual storyline. <laughs> it was short-lived. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, so Shadow, um, she ends up getting in a fight with the like nasty and stable boy. So she gets put on kitchen duty, which ends up being good because it gets her mm-hmm. inside. And then she gets tasked with delivering the meals to the prisoners, which is also good because she gets keys and mm-hmm. she finds Kaladin. Yay. Mm-hmm. And then she talks to him and he lets him know that she was sent by the queen and that she's the girl in the marketplace who gave him a handkerchief. And he's like, Oh, I got it. Okay. So they escape, they go to the stable and they get horses and they escape. Well, they run out and they get far away, far enough away that there shouldn't be any guards from the prison there, but they do run into some guards and shadow tries Mm -hmm. to use magic on one of them, but then she gets thrown back. Like her magic is resisted and she's like, what is this? And then she realizes that he's wearing a shiny black plate over his chest. And it's like a diamond shaped piece of dark metal that's sewn into his uniform. And then that's when she realizes that they're not prison guards. Um, Yeah. So then Shadow and Cal are able to escape. And so what's funny here is at the beginning of this, I kind of felt like their, so their relationship kind of has almost a predictable arc in a way, because it starts out that like they reluctantly. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, she thinks that he is like the most arrogant person that she has ever met and he's stubborn. She's really stubborn, you know? And so they're not like the biggest fans of each other. And then they slowly start to develop feelings for each other. But it's also one of those kind of like Romeo and Juliet situations where they know in their heads that they could never really end up together. So it's this constant, like, conflict the whole book but it's good i don't know i what did you think about their kind of their relationship so to use another disney reference felt <laughs> like beauty and the beast where they were kind of stuck together yes. and annoyed with each other and you could tell you know something happened and they would look at each other mm, okay and then slowly start to enjoy each other yes that is another good disney reference man <laughs> we're just going to be i I did not think of all these Disney references, but this is great. All right, good. <laughs> Lots more Disney in this book than I thought. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's... I also thought about, I thought about Melissa's choices of uh, names. And I thought, okay, why did she choose Kaladin? So I looked that up and Kaladin means tough people and he's supposed to be tough. So I think that's why she chose that. And then shadow, everybody knows what a shadow is, but you could also think of it as an inseparable attendant or companion. Oh, yes. And that's what shadow is to Kaladin during the book. So I don't know that it could be why she chose those names for her, you know, two major characters. Maybe not. No, I bet she did because that's perfect. That that works. Mm -hmm. It's perfect. Yeah. That's probably exactly why she chose them. So... They end up traveling for a while and they stop in a village to rest, but then they see like a wanted poster of, of, of them and they they realize that they can't stay there. Okay. Here is my Disney movie <laughs> reference. And you probably got this one too. They're looking at the, <laughs> they're looking at the wanted poster and Kaladin says, my ears are all wrong, which of course made me think of Flynn from Tangled where he always says they get his nose wrong in the wanted mm-hmm. poster. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the same thing. 
Okay, <laughs> good. <laughs> I was like, Ugh. I think it's just a part of all of us. I think so too. It is. We're just surrounded by it all the time. After, so after they leave there, um, I, we hit with, I kind of feel like a little bit of a changing point for them. The relationship starts, relationship starts to change a little bit because they run into a group of Afrasian monks and they get attacked by them and they escape, but Shadow gets hurt. And so they end up finding a cave where they take shelter in and Kaladin tends to Shadow's arm. And, you know, their relationship starts to kind of change a little bit there, I felt like, because it's a little bit more tender because he's taking care of her because she's injured and they end up having these um, in-depth discussions about who they are and where they're from and their families. And they talk about, you know, marriage and children. And they both end up saying that they're not going to have either because of the lives that they've chosen. And in the back of your mind, you think, well, you're, you guys are going to do it together. Right. That's what I don't this believe is- either one of you. You're going to exactly. get together. <laughs> Exactly. That's what I was thinking at this point. I'm like, well, you're so going to end up together. So whatever. Nice. You can deny it as long as you want, but that's not how it's going to go. And then Shadow falls asleep next to him and, you know, he's looking at her and it says somehow he doesn't want her to move away quite yet. And so we have just the, the inkling, the little beginnings of their blossoming feelings Shadow wakes up in his arms and she's like, ooh, this is kind of (laughs) nice. So they decide to, you know, come up with a plan. (laughs) They they go to Mont, which is the capital of Montrese, and they have to come up with a cover story for who they are and why they're there. So they end up saying that they're brother and sister and they're from Argonia and they're just passing through to get to their grandfather's estate in Stavin. So... Um, we are covering three of the four areas that this um, country has been split into just in this one story that they've made up. But hey, that's all right. <laughs> so um, so that's their story <laughs> that they've come up with. And oh, so here's another reference that I had in my head as I was reading this, as I was reading their um, the description of the city of Mont, the capital city, and what it's like, and what Montrese, Montrese is like, and how like garish everything is, and huge, and really big, and like all the, the women's and men's outfits, and their hair, and like they wear wigs, and this whole thing. I pictured the Hunger Games. Yeah. Like, I was, I, did you do? Mm-hmm. I was picturing just Effie. Like, just like so bad that you just wince when you yes. look at people. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I was like, where's Effie? Is she there? Is she Montrese? <laughs> but I think this is when the book starts to get, at least for me, it got really exciting because I really like court and just the intrigue of court in books. Yes. Um, but then it also got really uncomfortable because now they're brother and sister, but they're yeah. not acting like brother and sister. And I just, I'm like, please don't get caught. <laughs> No, it, I know because it's like they definitely have feelings for each other and that gets becomes more and more apparent. And it's mm-hmm. funny because so they end up, um, they stay at an inn, but then they end up meeting this vizier because they're trying to get into um, to meet the king. And so they end up, um, they get summoned to the vizier's house and they meet this duke and duchess and they end up, or the duchess, excuse me, not the duke mm-hmm. yet. And they end up staying 
you know, the Duchess is like, oh, you have to come and stay with us. So, but she puts them in separate rooms. <laughs> Whereas when they were at the inn, they had been <laughs> sleeping together in the bed because they were like, well, we're, you know, we're adults here. We can, we can handle this. We're family. Yes. And they really liked sleeping in the bed together. There's one night she nestles up to him and she just like snuggles in with him and he loves it. Of course, you know, Mm -hmm. he drapes his arm around her. It's his whole thing. So then they go to the Duke and Duchess's estate and they are put in separate bedrooms because they're brother and sister, you know? So why would they be? And there's enough rooms. Oh yeah. This place is humongous. (laughs) <laughs> so, but they do, they, um, they do, when they meet with the grand vizier, they ask to be brought to court to, ha- you know, they say they have a gift for the king and, um, you know, shadow gives the grand vizier this like really expensive ring. Yeah. You know, to kind of bribe him. And what's funny is Kaladin, he kind of like, he questions to himself, where she got that ring. And he's also wondering at this point mm-hmm. where she has gotten all of this gold coins that she uses to pay for stuff with. Cause that's what she's been doing. And he's like, your aunts sell stuff at the marketplace. Like they sell honey. How do you have all this? You know, like, so he, he starts to think about it. Um, mm-hmm. and this is also kind of like the beginnings of warning. Well, okay. So had you, did you figure it out by this point who her mother is? Did you know by this point? No clue. Okay. Wasn't See, even I, on my radar. Okay. See, I had kind of figured it out by this point. Um, but, but this is, but this is where like Marissa Day, she, well, I don't know. I've just read a lot of books. <laughs> <laughs> so at a certain point you start figuring stuff out. <laughs> it's good though. But so this is, but this is a good point where, because Kaladin starts questioning these things in his mind. But, and then it's also like where Melissa De La Cruz is kind of planting these little things for the reader as well about, you know, why does she have all of these gold coins? Why does she have this really expensive ring? Um, so he thinks about it, but then he kind of lets it go. You know, he thinks that she's a thief, which is really hilarious. And she's like, how I acquired that ring is none of your concern, you know, <laughs> but um, anyway. You know, along the same lines, when they meet the Grand Vizier, Shadow notices his, he's wearing an amber ring and there's a, a petrified wasp inside. Oh, yeah. And she's, and she says, I hate wasps. Once a wasp Once a swarm of them invaded our beehives and wiped out most of the colonies, they are predators masquerading as something they're not, something friendly. And I read that and I thought, that's what you're doing. You're masquerading as brother and sister trying (laughs) to assassinate the king in this kingdom. I just thought it was so kind of ironic that the very thing that she's doing, she hates in another person. Yes. And it's funny because I feel like that happens a lot, you know, whether it's in a book or a TV show or a movie, heck, even in real life. I mean, that's just like, we are so quick to look at other people and say, I hate that about that person, but yet it can be mm-hmm. something that we're actually doing ourselves. Very true. Maybe that's why right we there. notice it in other people because we're so sensitive about it in ourselves. Yeah. 
so they have the dinner with the grand vizier and he has other guests and that's when they meet the duchess and the duchess. Now the duchess is about their age. So she's about 18, 19 years old. And she like, you know, is just blatantly flirting with Cal. And this is when we first, besides the little like snuggling in bed, this is when we also kind of get hints at what Shadow is starting to feel because she gets very jealous and she calls mm-hmm. the Duchess a strumpet. <laughs> I love that word. I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like, she's such a little strumpet. How dare she? You know? And I'm like, ooh, jealous. Fighting words. Yes. <laughs> So they go um, to the estate and they meet the Duke, who's not a very pleasant man. And she puts them in separate rooms. And the first night that they're there, they go to sleep. And I just love this because it says, Kaladin says, he falls asleep imagining what would happen if he got up, walked down the hall and knocked on her door. And so we just have this like longing for her that's there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's just one of those that makes you like it just made me go well just get up and go just go please just make sure nobody's in the hallway walk down and knock on her door and see what happens because that would be great you know like <laughs> I'm like please do this but he doesn't <laughs> I don't know I am sometimes a, like a sucker for these relationships in the books I know I feel uncomfortable because I just thought don't get caught don't get caught <laughs> I know. And that's the problem because this this is what continues to happen because they can't get caught, but they, they want to be together. Oh, it's a whole thing in the whole rest of the book. Um, they sneak around. Yep. Oh, man. And the Duchess, like her name is Gert, Duchess Gert. She heavily flirts with Cal all the time. She lets him know she'd like to have an affair with him, like very blatantly. And Shadow is just so livid, which is kind of funny. And what ends up happening is, and now, okay, and then this happens multiple times in the book. Again, it's because, you know, she, because of who she is, because of who her mother is, and because of who he is and how he's bound to the queen. They both know, you know, they both of them kind of like resign themselves to the fact that there can't ever be anything between them and they can't be together. And this is just like kind of constant, like starting at this point, it's kind of constant happens throughout the rest of the book where they're like, Oh, I really want to be with him. Oh, but I can't, you know, like, so it's kind of, mm-hmm. we have this back and forth and she kind of pushes him away a little bit. And then they are having this conversation and he starts to tell her how he feels. And I'm like, Oh, but then they get interrupted. Of course, of course they do. <laughs> because (laughs) that's how these things go. But they do get to go and meet the king, which they're excited about. And they go and he invites them to join him in a royal hunt. And then they discover that the ambassador of Renovia and his husband will be attending the hunt. And not only that, they're going to be staying with the Duke Duchess. Yes. (laughs) And both Cal and Shadow are really worried about this because they fear that the ambassador is going to recognize them, you know, Mm because so they're both like, oh gosh, if he recognizes us, that's it. We're done for. So they make up an excuse that they're sick, you know, not to go down to dinner, not to welcome them when they get there and all this stuff, but they have to go to the hunt. They have to go. So Cal remembers that um, the country that they're pretending to be from, that they wear masks while they go on a hunt. So they both wear a mask and then um, she's also wearing a wig and riding gear and makeup and all this stuff. Well, here's the thing. 
She puts all this stuff on. They're getting ready. Cal comes to see her, and he says to her when he looks at her, you looked like someone I know just now. And Shadow says, I have an, she thinks to herself, I have an inkling of who it might be. So again, he's like, I kind of feel like I should know that she's somebody else, but I don't, you know? And he pushes it to the back of his mind again. And I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. figure it out already. <laughs> I kind of got impatient at this point. Were you impatient? Because I was. <laughs> You know, there were some really good scenes in this part of the book. Yes. That, that kept me going. Um, there was a scene where they sit at dinner or some meal with the Duchess and Shadow addresses the servant directly in, and the Duchess yells at her mm-hmm. and says, you know, and says like, you don't, you, you're supposed to address the hostess and not the servant directly. And it makes you think that Shadow is a farm girl pretending to be noble. Yeah. And I thought that was a really good misdirection by yes. Melissa. It definitely was because it leads you, it leads you um, in a, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah. She leads you in a different It, it wasn't direction. so overt. It was very uh, subtle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it, there's another scene where they're talking with a bunch of nobles and Lady Helena says a gentleman should eat as much as much as he pleases unlike a lady and they just start going into the uh like the culture and like what's thought of like what's appropriate for a lady to do and and a man to do and I thought it was really interesting because in the beginning of the book we hear about uh Aunt Mariah and Aunt Mesha and their their wives together Mm -hmm. and it's very it's just like off said um, and then later the ambassador has a husband mm-hmm. and it just, it, it makes it seem like gay marriage is just a non-issue in this culture and in this country. But yet there's very traditional values when it comes to the roles of men and the roles of women. Right. That Which you is, find out. So they're yeah. not as progressive as you think. <laughs> no. <laughs> Especially not in Montrese too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It is kind of funny. But then my favorite line, and that's just because I'm a boy mom. <laughs> so there's a little bit of humor speckled in here. They're talking about the, the small ball, which is the, the, the smaller party that they're planning. And somebody, and the vizier says to Cal, are you not familiar with the tradition? And Cal says, no, I'm not. In Argonia, we only have large balls. He says with a straight face. <laughs> and then Shadow whacks him under the table and just being around boys and boy humor. Yes. I just, I just laughed. So that was like, that was my favorite line. <laughs> I did too, because I am also a boy mom and I have two little boys who all they do is talk about their parts, their body parts <laughs> and, so, and everything that happens out of their body parts. And so I also got a good laugh out of that. Those couple of lines there. I was like, yep, that's about right. No matter how old you get. Cause he's 19, you know, Cal is, but it's, you know, my husband still makes this kind of funny remarks and my best friend's husband makes this kind of, I mean, it, you know, it's just, it's a man thing. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. oh. And there's, there's a little bit of heat speckled throughout the book that I appreciated. Me too. Thanks, Melissa. Yes. Thank you. It's fabulous. <laughs> so let's see. Oh man. So they go on the hunt, right? And, um, the Duke 
wins the hunt. But what's interesting is there's a couple of things that pop up here that make Shadow and Kale kind of suspicious of the Duke because first, um, the prize for whoever wins the hunt is a joint gift to, from Renovia and Montrese. So it's like showing that they want, the ambassador brought it and is like, this is, you know, a good faith gift. And Shadow and Cal are like, um, our countries don't really like each other. So why would they join together to do a gift for the person who wins the king's hunt? So this is kind of big clue right there. Then mm -hmm. when the Duke wins and he's got his, you know, prize winning stag on the ground that he has killed, Shadow looks at it. And because she is a mage, she's got, um, you know, she's, she has, this was mentioned earlier when she got injured, Kale looked and saw her blood was a different color. It was like blue, blue, black. And he said, oh, that's mage blood. So it's like witch's blood um, mm -hmm. because she's got magic in her. So she, she looks at it and she doesn't see the stag. She sees a pile of branches. So mm -hmm. she realizes that he can use magic, that the, um, that the Duke can use magic and that he's lying. So you know, she knows that he's a mage. So she's like, Oh man. Um, yeah, this then, is when you, you, you stop thinking he's a jerk yep. and you start knowing that there's something sinister going on. Yes. This is when this is the King's hunt is when all of the pieces start falling together and you kind of start figuring things out. And I, from this point on, like I read so fast because it just, it just like spirals and just like one thing after another. And it was just super fun to read. And I just super fast too, because there's so much. And I just wanted to like devour it all at once. It was really good. Yeah. So, same. So what happens later is after the hunt, everybody, I kind of laughed at this part as a mom and I'm guessing you did too, because it says, Everybody was taking a nap before dinner. Like all the adults are taking a nap. And I'm thinking clearly, obviously, there are no small children anywhere around. <laughs> these, these royals have nothing better to do than I'm going to take a nap before dinner because the hunt wore me out. And I'm like, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. such a luxury. People, most people don't have anymore. <laughs> but... <laughs> So they're all napping and Shadow and Kale decide that they're going to search the Duke's office for clues and information. And what they find is a letter from Renovia to the Duke and Duchess. And it's from King Espen. So this is the current queen's husband who is dead, just as a reminder. And he is thanking them for their kindness to his brother, Alman. And the letter is from 20 years prior, but they wonder how is this possible? Because the Duchess is like 18. So how could the letter come from 20 years mm -hmm. ago if she's younger than that? So, you know, they kind of speculate, well, maybe he got remarried or whatever. Um, and then Kale sees, they're looking around and he sees a painting on the wall that's like, just slightly askew, like not super bad, but enough that you kind of notice it and think, hmm, hmm, is something hiding behind that painting? But then the Duchess enters 
<laughs> this is kind of another one of those funny moments because she comes in and she's like, what are you doing? And Shadow hides under the desk. And Cal's like, oh, I was looking for you, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he starts to seduce her and he kisses her. And it says about Shadow, her glare, like he sees Shadow from under the desk looking at him and it says her glare could melt steel. <laughs> like, yeah, super jealous. And, and I thought, Shadow, come on. You know what he's doing. Well, yeah. And then, you know, and that's what he says to her later because she gets really mad about it and they argue about it. And she's like, you had to kiss him. And well, you know, I'm doing it for us. And she's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> He's like, it's, it's, I'm just acting. I'm just play acting. Why are you so upset? And then I'm like, stupid man, stupid boy. She's upset because she's in love with you. You dummy. Like, hello. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, it's giving you a hard time. Yeah. <laughs> so the next day, Cal sees in the news when they're at breakfast, he sees that the queen of Renovia and her is going to visit Montrese and she's going to have the crown princess with her. And so he is wondering why would the queen of Renovia be coming to Montrese? I mean, the ambassador is there, but why would the queen and the crown princess be coming? We don't know. Well, so the Duke goes out. And he's gone for the whole day. So Shadow and Kale decide to search his study again. And here's where it gets interesting because Shadow finds a bill of mortality for the Duke and Duchess of Gert from 20 years ago. So the death certificate essentially was from a few months before the letter from King Espen came. So how could the Duke host King Alman? King Espen's brother, if the Duke and Duchess were already dead by that point. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Cal and Shadow realize, okay, the real Duke and Duchess of Gert are dead, and these two people are imposters. I kind of rolled my eyes at that, that they would have kept the certificate. Right. Well, but, okay. <laughs> doesn't Shadow even say that? Like, why would they have this? Doesn't she say that? <laughs> And it's like not super well hidden. It's like in between a book or something. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of like, uh, I guess we wanted this to be found. I don't know. Mm. It was weird. Um, so, you know, and they start to wonder too about the Duchess because since she's like their age, they wonder if, you know, she's maybe a witch or a shapeshifter and she's just appearing younger than she actually is. So right. is she in on it or not? They're not sure. Right. Yeah, they're just trying to figure out what's going on. Um, so then they almost they almost think that maybe she's too dumb. Yes. To be in right. on it. That's like her saving grace. Because she does kind of act like that. Like she just walks around like she's just real flighty and dumb and kind of plays innocent, you know, and just is just like she just wants Kale, just wants to sleep with Kale. You know, she's blatantly flirts with him in front of the Duke, who doesn't even seem to care. You know, so, mm -hmm. yeah, they just kind of treat her like, hmm, does she really know or is she just stupid and he's doing everything behind her back? I don't mm -hmm. know. <laughs> and now th there's a little bit of an annoying triangle yes. that happens. So, yeah, it's kind of this weird, like, situation because Cal, um, Shadow is really upset with Cal and how he's flirting and stuff with the Duchess and the Duke doesn't care what the Duchess is doing. She wants to be with Cal, but Shadow and Cal have feelings for each other. And yeah, it just gets confusing and crazy. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
so they get, they get ready for this ball that they're going to go to that the king is doing. And she teaches him to dance, you know, and it's this sweet, oh, we're dancing together kind of moment. <laughs> and she describes like how she feels his touch and how good it feels when he's holding her. Then they talk about the king and how, because the king is young and he's going to need to be engaged to be married soon. And Kale says, well, maybe he'll marry, or Shadow says, excuse me, Shadow's the one who says this. Maybe he'll marry a crown princess lilac. Would, that. Why would she say that? I don't know, but she does. I think she's just, because, um, because they talk about how Argonia and Stavin are unified through, um, through a marriage. Those two countries got unified through a marriage. Um, and so Renovia is a part by itself. And since it's been in with war with Montrese for so long, she, you know, she says, well, maybe the crown princess will marry Lilac because the queen and the crown princess are going there. And that would then unite Renovia and Montrese together. And then it would kind of, they would kind of all be united and there wouldn't be so much division among the countries anymore. Because then, because that's what Cal says. He says, I'm sure the queen has considered it. It would be a pathway to peace between the kingdoms. <laughs> but Shadow says, poor Princess Lilac. And he's like, is Hanson so unappealing? <laughs> and she just says, you know, King Hanson is fine, a little pompous and a little vain. And our enemy, of course, but he seems harmless. harmless. I just meant how sad not to be able to choose whom to marry, even as a princess. And then he says, we all have our duty to fulfill. And, um, mm -hmm. and so that's just a very loaded scene right there. It's, there's a lot of foreshadowing in that scene for what's going to mm -hmm. happen later, both with their, relation, with their relationship and what, what happens with the queen and the princess. And yeah, that's kind of, it's, uh, once you, <laughs> once you get to like the end of the book, you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That's mm -hmm. crazy. Oh. Okay, so then, though, the two of them kiss because he's te she's teaching him to dance because he doesn't know how to dance. And then they end up talking about the kiss again, and she's getting all mad, and he's like, well, maybe, you know, I'll show you. So she, so he kisses her, and then she ends up pulling away, and she gets mad because she thinks, like, he's just trying to be, like, be stupid about it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I was like what are you doing? You're getting what you want. Don't be dumb. Yeah, Shadow. Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> but that's the, that's where the young adult part comes in. I tried to, re well, she also might've been thinking about marrying Hanson and she just got mad that's in general. Got uh, a little prickly. Yeah. It's just one of those scenes. <laughs> um, but then, you know, and then we move on and Cal can't stop thinking about his kiss with her but then he says, you know, whatever is happening between them has to stop because he just like feels like he can't, as the queen's assassin, he cannot have a family because he's never going to be free. Mm -hmm. So they go to the ball. The Renovian ambassador does not attend the ball because he is not feeling well, so he says. And he sees, so Kaladin sees Shadow all dressed up in this gorgeous ball gown and everything, and he compliments her and... And he says that he hopes that she shares his feelings. 
And, and then again, like, it's kind of like a sad moment because he starts thinking about wanting to find the scrolls really badly so that he can be free and be with her. And I was mm -hmm. like, Oh, my heart is breaking right now. I know. He just wants to be free. Yeah. And he wants to be with her. And of course he does. They end up, we end up, we get with like another kind of clue, what should be another clue to Kale, <laughs> because they leave the ballroom, right? And they're walking through the palace and there's a fortune teller who's there and she reads Shadow's fortune. Mm -hmm. She does her tarot cards and she puts down the first card that she flips over is the Empress. And it says, she says, this represents you, the fertile young maiden. You find peace, peace in nature. Yes. Yet you also hold the crown and the scepter with grace and authority. Hello. Mm -hmm. Could that be any more obvious? And I feel like yeah. as, as the reader did you, had you figured it out by this point about her? No, I tend to just like, I like to, the mystery to unfold. I try not to like try to find out. I try yeah. to just, just go with it. Yeah. So I think I did on purpose. Just let that roll over. Well, see, I couldn't, I'm just an impatient person. So <laughs> <laughs> for me, I was like, Oh my gosh. I mean, and, and since we're doing spoilers, anyway, um, I was like, she is the princess. She is the princess. And how could he not figure it out? Like that was kind of the biggest clue in the world, like Kaladin. <laughs> yes. The, the fortune teller just told you who she is. Like, hello, please. <laughs> but somehow he still doesn't figure it out. Anyway. So the next day they get a message, Shadow gets a message from her mother that she and Cal have to go and see her. So there's a carriage that sends for her and they, they go. Before they leave, though, the Duchess says that she's going to throw them a ball for the two of them in their honor the next week. So she hopes they'll be back on time. It's this whole thing. Um, so the carriage comes, they go, and where it takes them to is a big manor house that's um, just outside the city where the ambassador of Renovia stays when he's in Montrese. He and his husband stay there. And the ambassador, when they get there, the ambassador and his husband are there, and both of Shadow, Shadow's aunts are there. And her mother is there, but her mother is disguised, and she's kind of off in a separate room, and she's got, like, regular clothes on, not queenly clothes on. And mm -hmm. um, so Cal has no clue about who she is. You know, her aunts tell her that shadow's like oh the ambassador recognized us didn't he <laughs> and she's like of course we sent him there to find you because <laughs> we figured it out because we used a spell to look for you immediately yeah immediately. <laughs> so then it ends up kind of being this whole big thing where anybody no right they tried but well, and then Kale realizes that Shadow wasn't sent by the queen to free him and be his apprentice because actually the ambassador was supposed to be the one to do that. We find out, but whoops, Shadow beat him to the punch. <laughs> <laughs> but the big important thing that happens in this scene though, really, is that Aunt Misha shows them some black glass that she has. And it happens to be the same that Kale and Shadow found Oh, they found it during the hunt on the ground. I think I forgot to mention that earlier. And it's also what the Afrasian, yep. the Afrasian monk was wearing on his chest that repelled Shadow's power. And they discover that the Afrasians have been mining it at Bear Abbey, and it's obsidian. 
It is obsidian, says Aunt Mariah, an ancient and very powerful substance. It can do many things, strengthen the magic of the one who wields it, and keep one safe from outside magical forces. And then, so we discover that the Ephrasians have it. So that's very dangerous that they have it because they could use it to wield their magic and use it against Renovia. And then Shadow's mother from the other room <laughs> says that there's a plot to assassinate Princess Lilac. And so she wants Shadow and Cal to discover the truth about the Duke as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. And then and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, Cal, Aunt Misha's like, can you go outside? Because we kind of need to have a talk with Shadow. <laughs> and here it comes. This is the, uh-oh, Shadow's in trouble point. So Shadow goes outside and Cal can like, kind of hear and see through the window that she's arguing with her mom and her aunts and she comes outside and she's really upset. And then I was like, well, what on earth did her mom ask her to do? And he's wondering this. And then Mm -hmm. when they get back to the Duke and Duchess's house, she is like super, super distant from him. Um, They don't even, she avoids him for two whole days. And Kel is like really worried and not knowing what's going on. Yeah. She's never the same. No, she's completely different from that point on. And, you know, he's just really scared because he's like, I don't know what just happened here. What happened? And then he finds out that, you know, they finally talk and she says that your orders are the same, but my orders have changed. And he can see that she is really, really sad, but she says that she can't tell him what her orders are yet and um it's really hard and then he says this is why i vowed never to fall in love and it's just one of those really heartbreaking scenes i was like oh stop (laughs) yeah you you almost want to plead with them you know stop it shadow stop it cal get along yeah well and it's hard because you we find out that like she's got something completely different now that she has to do, whatever it is, is making her really sad. And we don't know what it Mm -hmm. is yet. And he doesn't Mm -hmm. know. And poor Kel is just confused. Before they left the, her aunts, her aunt had given each of them a pouch that had a charmed uh, talisman in it. So it had the obsidian in it that they had charmed, but to help protect them against anybody, any of the Ephrasians or the Duke, whoever might have it. So, they um, have the party. Duke, the Duke and Duchess throw this party in Shadow and Kale's honor. And, um, you know, Shadow dances with the king and then a couple other people. And then she leaves the ballroom because she wants to, you know, do some spying. And she goes to the Duke's bedchamber. Well, he enters and surprises her. This, mm-hmm. this is where... The scent we were talking about at the beginning of the book comes in <laughs> because she she smells mm-hmm. him and she recognizes the, his scent from the um, from the day at the beginning of the book when she was at Bear Abbey and she realizes he is the one who was there and he's the one who was following her and who attacked her and you're like what so then we realize he's a shapeshifter so he had made himself look like the queen's brother-in-law, but it really wasn't him. But he's the one who Mm -hmm. was there and Shadow can feel the obsidian that's in her pouch attached to her, um, like burning. And so she knows that he's 
really powerful too with magic mm. and it's crazy. Um, and then Kale. Okay. So this is where the Duchess, like being kind of stupid comes out. <laughs> <laughs> she, so Kale dances with the, is dancing with the Duchess and she's totally drunk and he's asking her all these questions and she tells him all this information. <laughs> like She's just like, she's a chatty <laughs> drunk. <laughs> She tells them that the dude. Well, this is why I, I still don't know if she's in on it or not. Is she right. telling him purposely or is she drunk? Yeah. Right. Because Can't tell. no, you can't because she tells them, you know, like the Duke travels all the time. And then she says he's leaving that night to go to Renovia on business. And Cal's like, oh, well, what kind of business could he possibly have? And she's like, oh, well, let me just say that, you know, there's going to be an insurrection against the queen. There's going to be a regime change. So Cal's like, oh gosh, you know, they're going to attack the queen. And I'm thinking, I can't believe she just said that. Like she tells them that that this the queen's going to be attacked like what's going on although the queen is there in montrese but if they go and attack while she's not there then they can take over um so mm -hmm. that's kind of the idea but anyway so he kind of is like putting all the clues together as he's running he leaves the duchess and he runs to go and find shadow he gets to the duke's room and the balcony and he when he goes out in the balcony he sees the duke but the Duke doesn't look like the Duke. He looks like a last. Mm -hmm. And Cal's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I killed you. Why are you here? And then he realizes, you know, it takes him a second, but he realizes. And then the Duke, mm -hmm. you know, changes his face and he changes back to the Duke's face. And so, you know, again, we see he's a shapeshifter. So this is kind of where everything falls into place. Okay, so here we go. So it says, the truth hits Cal like a flash of lightning. Grand Prince, alas, was a guest of the Duke of Gert a month before he died. The Duke killed him on a hunt and took his form. The Grand Prince was never a traitor. Instead, he came too close to discovering the truth of the Afrasians and he died for it. But alas, was no longer useful after Kale killed him at Bear Abbey. So the Duke went back to being the Duke. And... Um, yeah, so that's who he was. So he's so the Duke has gone back and forth between being different people this whole time. Mm -hmm. It's kind of crazy. And I, you know, at first when I read this, I was like, okay, so the magic, like I got the magic, you know, I accept all the magic in the land, but then it's like, okay, he's a shapeshifter. So that's kind of a different to me at first it almost felt like I wasn't sure it fit, at least in my mind, because in my mind, I think shapeshifter. I don't know. I think I just feel like it's a different kind of magic than like spells and that kind of thing. And so at first I was like, it didn't feel like it fit to me. But then I guess if you think about it, though, it says like, you know, at the beginning that um, they had all different magical powers. So I guess it does kind of make sense. Did that hit you at all? Or is this just me thinking about this? <laughs> Well, you know, there was, there was sort of mild magic through this, and I, I wanted more magic. I wanted, you know, overt magic. And so when I read The Shapeshifter, I thought, oh, finally, maybe there'll be dragons too. You know, I, I, just, <laughs> I wanted not just kind of like mild magic where you're like, well, maybe it's magic, but maybe it's not. I wanted like super concrete magic. Well, this was definitely that, for sure. That was super obvious. Yeah. I, yeah, I like the shapeshifter. I just wished that uh, that Shadow could have been a shapeshifter. Oh. And not just the evil villain. 
That would have been really cool if she was one too. Oh man, that would have added a totally completely different element to the story. But I do like that she has magic and she does have a secret of her own, even though she's not a shapeshifter, but you know. Mm -hmm. So Cal realizes all of this stuff and like, two seconds, right? And then he steps further out onto the balcony and he sees Shadow. So Shadow's out there. She has an collar on her that's made of obsidian and she's trapped and she can't move. And she tries telling him something. And this was really cool because I was like, it's like she's trying to speak with him through her mind. Like she's trying to kind of like, okay, so another reference, pop culture reference, um, kind of like when Luke and Leia use the force in Star Wars and they can like feel each other and like kind of hear what each other's saying almost. And so this was like Shadow's <laughs> trying to send him this message and he's like, she's trying to tell me something, but I just don't know what it is. And I'm like, oh, you idiot. <laughs> But fortunately, they're not the only three people who are there. <laughs> so um, Jander, and you kind of forget about him, but he ended up coming to he ended up coming to Montrese with them, I think, right? Does he ride with them there? Or I don't know. I don't remember how he ended up there. Do you remember? I cannot know. I don't no. either. All right. Well, <laughs> Jander ends up in Montrese as well. I feel like it does get explained in the book. I'm just not remembering right at the moment. Um, and so he's there. And what happens is he hears Shadow. He realizes what she's saying. And so he takes out, the Duke tells Jander to kill Kaladin. But so Jander takes out his sword and he looks like he's gonna, but then instead what he does is he strikes the Duke and he slices off his finger that has a, an obsidian ring on it. And as soon as he does that, um, the obsidian collar comes off of shadow and he loses the, it loses the power. And so the Duke then throws Jander against the wall. Um, his hold on Shadow breaks. Shadow uses her magic against the Duke and then Kale stabs the Duke three times through the heart and the Duke falls down dead. And, mm -hmm. we, and we think we're done, right? <laughs> and you're like, oh, good. <laughs> but I remember getting to this point and looking and going, wow, there's still, there's still a few chapters left here. Like there's yeah. still a good chunk left. What on earth could possibly happen there's after more. this? Um, okay, so there's more. <laughs> so, so the Duke is dead, right? So Jander is there and he's laying on the ground and he's dying. And he tells Kaladin that they have to burn the Duke's body with the fire of Dia or he will come back to life in a few days. And he tells him, he said, and, and you know, Cal's like, why? He's just a shapeshifter. And Jander says, no, he's more than a shapeshifter. And then you know, Cal says, who are you really? Cal asks and realizes that is the wrong question. What are you? And Jander says he was cursed. He says, I was cursed by the king long mm -hmm. ago, but if you burn his body, I will be free. So they take Jander with them and they take, or they take the Duke, they grab the Duke's body and they're going to leave. Well, the Duchess Gert runs in and and she's, you know, and there's like onlookers with her and she's just screaming, they killed the Duke, they killed the Duke. And then Kaladin yells out, or excuse me, Jander yells out, Kaladin, the scrolls, he has the scrolls. And then Cal and Shadow get taken away by whoever, guards, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, all right, so now they're going to be in prison. Great. 
know what's going to happen. But hey, at least we know the Duke has the scrolls, right? This seems like a bright point. I was excited at this point. Were you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought it was going to be good. <laughs> so then, um, well, the next day, the vizier comes and he gets Kale out of prison. He apologizes to him profusely. Like, I'm really sorry about all this. There was confusion. And then he takes him up to a tower, gives him this really nice room. He gives him new clothes, says that there's food coming. And Cal is so confused. And then when he's walking up the stairs <laughs> on the way up to the tower, he sees seating being built in the courtyard. And he's like, what is going on? Why is, why is all of this seating being built? Like there's going to be a big event, you know, why, why are they, um, why am I being treated nicely now? He just doesn't, he doesn't get it on, mm -hmm. until, <laughs> until later on, Cal gets brought to the great hall and Queen Liliana is there. And so is Princess Lilac. And then everything becomes clear. It says, okay, so this is funny. It says, but where's Shadow? Kale strains to search the crowd, but finds her nowhere. And then a thought dawns on him, and he wonders why he did not see it before. Why did he not question it all sooner? The Argonian Emeralds, her perfect manners and knowledge of court life. He had buried his suspicions because he did not want them to be true. There was an assassination plot against Princess Lilac, and he had been tasked to keep her safe. And he did. He cannot bear to look at the princess. He knows. He knows. And so when Princess the Queen introduces Princess Lilac and she removes her veil, he sees that it's Shadow. Shadow is Queen Liliana's daughter, Princess Lilac, an heir to the Renovian throne. And the Queen is announcing that she is now betrothed to King Hansen, which they had talked about earlier. <laughs> oh. This is when I found out about Queen Princess Lilac. Yes. <laughs> it's probably when I most it's probably when I most people it find sooner. <laughs> I, just, I, I thought that there was going to be something about the queen not the princess so I was looking for queen you know oh, twists I gotcha <laughs> well that would have made sense too because they do keep because Melissa um is very secretive about the queen too like we don't really know a lot about her except for the very what happens in the prologue at the very beginning so yeah and and I don't think she did right by Cal. I you know she didn't send somebody quick enough. He lost hope. That's yep. why Shadow could go in there. Exactly. So, uh, you know I just thought, what's going on with that? Exactly. Well, but then we find out that's not the case. No. <laughs> so <Totally> now he. <laughs> so now he knows, um, and. It's, uh, and poor Cal, man, he's just like reeling from this realization. And, you know, now he understands why Shadow was so upset and why she said, you know, her, um, her orders from the queen had changed, even though his didn't. And so the queen, um, actually goes to visit Cal and this is kind of, it's kind of a, I, I kind of hated this scene because it's just like, oh, it's like this. I told you, not I told you so, but it's just this like 
you know it has to happen, but you hate it happening because she comes in Mm -hmm. and she's like, you know, now you understand everything that happened and, you know, now you know why you, you know, he, you know, you can never be with anyone, you know, but she also tells him that Shadow, the only way that Shadow would, would marry the king was if her mother spared Cal and saved him. And so now he knows and, you know, it says his mind is reeling because she, he finally (laughs) realizes that Shadow's feelings for him are confirmed, you know, but then the queen drops a line on him like, you know, it was never meant to be. You could never be together. Um, But before that, he does tell the queen that the duke's body has to be burned right away so that he doesn't come back alive and that he's a shapeshifter. And the queen says, well, we're in their country. It would be rude of us to do this. We were having this, you know, big engagement party. So we have to wait until tomorrow. And he tries to tell her, but this is what she says. He can't argue with the queen. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we do find out that Duchess Gert was a witch. So that's why. So, yeah, we still never find out if she really knew everything, though, or if she, I don't know. I think that will never be answered, but. (laughs) But then then comes one of my favorite parts of the book. (laughs) Shadow goes to Cal's room in the middle of the night, and she sneaks in there, and she wakes him up because she wants to explain everything to him. And he's, like, upset, and he's hurt because she lied to him and didn't tell him, but at the same time, he understands. I feel so bad for him. Like it's a great scene because he finally gets everything explained to him, but then he also finds out like he really did not know very much at all, you know? Like he's so alone in the world when he, he shouldn't be. Yeah. But he is for him. It it feels so sad. It adds to the, the a culmination of sadness for, for him. It does. Well, and then Shadow gives Cal an obsidian key that was found in the Duke's, uh, with the Duke's things. Guess where it was found? <laughs> I love this. Remember that? <laughs> Remember that painting that Cal saw on the wall that was slightly askew in the office? <laughs> Guess where the key was? <laughs> so the key was behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, she gives him the key and says, you know, maybe this, you can use this to help you find the Dean scrolls. And um, Cal, this is so sweet. And this is, you know, what happens? Cal asks her to run away with him. And she's like, I can't, I really want to. But then she says, one of my favorite lines, she says, Hanson will have my name and my kingdom, but he will never have my heart. That remains with you, my love forever. And then they spend the night together. And I actually kind of love this description because she writes, our bodies joined as our hearts and we soar to the skies. And I was like, oh, that is just so sweet. (laughs) I don't know. I just like the way that Melissa De La Cruz wrote that. Yeah. So, so they sleep together, they spend the night together and then in the morning, you know, so, so essentially now we all, as the readers are like, okay, so I guess they're actually not going to end up together. Like we thought they were, cause she's really going to marry the King, which is disappointing. But then she tells Cal, she's like, you know, in the palace, the king has this room that's attached to his bed chain. Mm-hmm. Because, you, you know, like in <clears throat> medieval times and stuff, the king and queen, like, they each had their own separate bedrooms. They didn't have a shared one. It would be like she would go to his room when, you know, they wanted to be together. And then, and, but they would each sleep, but they each had their own bedroom separately. 
And that's what it's like in this kingdom as well. So she tells him, you know, the king has his own bedroom and attached to his bedchamber is a special room that's for his mistresses. You know, and she says, there's also a room attached to my bedchamber. And all you would have to do, you could come anytime. You just knock on the door and I will answer it. And I, you know, so she's trying to... um she wants him to come and to be her lover. You know, she's like, we can still be together. She said, we can't be married, but this is a way for us to still be together. And you will always have my heart. And for the love of me, I was sitting there reading this, like, just say yes, just say yes, just say yes. (laughs) No, I was the opposite. Okay. Tell me why. I want them to be husband and wife, not you know, ha- having adulterous affairs. I know. I, I That's and not what I want. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not in favor of adultery either. I just, I just I know scandalized. that. Yes. I just know that like, unfortunately, <laughs> like in medieval times and, you know, things, this is how things worked. And so I was like, well, she's not going to get them married, but I guess at least they could be together somehow. It's just that part of me that was like, I just want you to be together, even though... <laughs> I don't support <laughs> adultery. Please don't think that I mm-hmm. promote this in any way. But <laughs> but he <laughs> but he he doesn't say yes. He doesn't really say anything. So he's not really sure, you know. And well, then he goes down. He leaves later, you know, in the morning. They wake up. She leaves, and he goes down to the catacombs to get the duke's body. And he hears a voice say, "He's not here." And he looks, and guess who's there? Jander is there. And Jander says, we were too late. The sun went down. So he came, so he came back as did I. And we realize that the Duke is the one who cursed Jander. So Jander is tied to the Duke in that way. So here's what Cal realizes. You remember the very beginning, the prologue, when I talked about the tyrant king, King Phrase, who ruined everything, uh, mm-hmm. who ruled for 300 years. Oh, guess what? That's who the Duke is. He's actually that dude. He's a shapeshifter. He is that guy. This is why he Mm -hmm. was able to rule for 300 years (laughs) until (laughs) he was killed, but apparently not really. And he's still around. So, and now he's still around. Now he's not dead. They didn't get there on time because the queen didn't listen to him. (sighs) But the good thing is, is that Jander says, because see, because Jander has been like kind of tied to him for so long, he has information. So Jander says that he might know where the lock to the obsidian key is, you know, where it goes to. So they leave together and we get this sense that Jander and Kaladin are going to um, join together and they are going to continue on the quest to find the Dean scrolls. And then... At the very end of the book, it's a few months later, Shadow is in her room, in her bedchambers, and there is a knock on the door, her chamber. And um, Wait, but, but before that, the title of the epilogue is A Few Months After the Wedding. And right. You go, and, and you read it and you go, oh, she actually did it. Yes. Sorry. Yes. And it says Queen Lilac. So the title, the chapter title, instead of being named Shadow is named Queen Lilac. So yeah, they got married. She went through with it. She got married. And then um, it's a few months after the wedding and then she hears a knock on the door. So that she wouldn't have to. I know, but, but her mother wanted her to marry 
King Hanson so that their kingdoms could be united and there wouldn't be any more fighting. So she made this whole deal with King Hanson so that they wouldn't attack Renovia and everybody could be safe and there'd be no more fighting. So Shadow kind of had to marry him. She didn't have a choice, really. So all these marriages were always arranged like in medieval times and everything. All those kings and queens, they never picked who they got to marry. Their marriages were arranged since they were like three sometimes. It's crazy. I don't know. I couldn't imagine what that mm -hmm. would be like. So she hears a knock on her door and it even like, it even says, it calls her Lilac. It doesn't say shadow anymore. It says Queen Lilac yep. is alone in her bedchamber. And it says Lilac runs to open the door, her heart beating wildly in her chest, filled with fear and hope and love. A knock from the little room just off her bedchamber, the one that will be known in history as the Queen's Secret. So then we know, <laughs> we get the sense he continues to come to her and then, yeah. So here's, here's what I want to know. Did you, did you feel okay with the fact that we don't find the Dean scrolls in this book or were you hoping, or were you disappointed by that and hoping that they would have been found? There were a lot of loose ends at the end of this book. Where did the Duchess go? Where's the Duke? Is that really Cal? I think we, we think it's Cal. I think Cal is the queen's hmm. secret, but we're not exactly sure. So um, I was a little bothered that we didn't tie up these loose ends, but I'm, I guess we'll find out in book two. Yeah, see, that's what I was wondering. I was wondering, I'm like, okay, so I before I had read this, I thought, well, maybe it is supposed to be a standalone. And then after reading the ending, I thought, well, is it going to be? Or is there going to be another one? I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that question is. Um, but I, I was a little bit disappointed that they didn't find the Dan scrolls. Like I was really hoping that behind the painting would have been the scrolls, not just a key. So yeah, it is yeah. kind of, there are definitely a lot of questions still left up in the air. I mean, the only thing we know for sure is that Shadow married the king and there you go. But <laughs> it was definitely not like an ending where everything was all wrapped up very cleanly. Yeah, what a pessimistic ending. She married somebody she didn't love and, and maybe she has a little fun on the side um, and they didn't find the scrolls. It was a little bit of a downer, I thought. It's definitely different than what you expect, you know? But mm -hmm. that's kind of one of the reasons that I liked it too because it was an unexpected ending. I don't like for the books that I read to be extremely predictable. It's, I, I enjoy it much more if I don't know what's coming and if I'm surprised at the end, even if it's disappointing. But I know there are so many people who don't like that. And so, so many people prefer just to have everything wrapped up in a neat little package. I do enjoy like the happily ever after, don't get me wrong. But there are times when I feel like I, it's okay if everything doesn't end all happy because let's be honest here, that's the reality of life. You know, we don't all end up happily. Things don't always go how we want them to <laughs> still, yeah, yeah. you know. But, but isn't it supposed to go like that with young adult fiction? Isn't Oh, I guess so. There's I don't know. There's supposed to be a happy ending here. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, but they're teenagers, so it they did, still have, you know, lots more time left. I don't know. <laughs> they have time. to it, it never even occurred to me that it could be, you know, not a happy ending. Yeah. So it was a complete surprise to me. It was to me, too. Just, of course there's going to be a happy ending. 
Well, yeah. I mean, because the whole time I was reading the book, I was like, oh, they're both denying their love for each other and saying they'll never get married, but they're totally going to end up together. And then at the end, I went, oh my gosh, she actually married the king. What? She actually (laughs) did it. I don't understand this, but okay, this is a choice that she made, Melissa made. So that's fine. that's what we're going with. So I don't know. We'll see. But. Well, I have to imagine that King Hansen comes to a quick demise in this mm. second book soon. I, I would after hope so. you start it. Like I have to imagine. Here's what my vision for a second book would be. We follow Kaladin and Jander on as they search down the Dean Scrolls. They find the Dean Scrolls. Some horrible, un, you know, unforetold uh, tragedy happens to King Hansen and he dies. Kaladin comes back, gives the Dean Scrolls to the queen, and then he is free to marry Queen Ly- to marry Lilac. And they all live happily ever after the end. <laughs> and it's a duology. That's my Please. I don't know if that's going to happen, but whatever. That's, you know, I'll just pretend that that's what happens. In my mind, Mm -hmm. that is the continuing story. (laughs) I like it. That's how I picture it. All right, good. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, um, Christy, so much for being here with me today and for talking about this book with me. I really had a lot of fun. It was my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. It was great. Of course. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening and we will chat again soon. Today's podcast featured the book, The Queen's Assassin by Melissa De La Cruz. Why a Book Chat was created is hosted and edited by me, Leah Stuhler. Be sure to follow Why a Book Chat on Instagram and Facebook, and don't forget to subscribe and leave a positive review. And if you have any books you want me to review, be sure to shoot me an email at yabookchat at gmail.com.